We are back with the Triumph Small Business Podcast. This is Mike Wilmer. I'm here with my partner, Sherm. Sherm, how you doing? Good, brother. How are you? It is cold outside, man. Winter has come to us. So. Yeah, you know, it's not cold. We yeah, skip. I mean, we skip. I'll still wear shorts. I don't care. I'm still cold. Oh, you're one of those guys. Aren't I am. I'm, I'm wear a suit or I wear shorts. And maybe jeans every once in a while in the fall. Jeans every once in a while in the fall. <laughs> But uh, so we're going to talk. That's right. We're going to talk today. Uh, we've we you know found a really great article in Forbes in Forbes magazine online, and it was the 17 key lessons for entrepreneurs starting a business. And somebody seasoned like you, some of these are going to be duh. But there's a lot of people out there, as we know, are starting businesses every day and you know need some help. So I'm going to shoot through some of these and let's let's give them from some perspective. Um, you know, the first one is uh, come up with a great name for your business and, and, and talk about that. So, you know, what, how do you, how do you generally, when you, when you start a new business or what kind of advice you give people picking the right branding? How do, how do you go about that? I mean, honestly, the first and foremost thing is that however you name the company should at least somewhat slowly or initially explain what you do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, obviously there's like Charms Catering, you know, it's catering, but you know, like some people have names for things that you, you, you have absolutely, it's funny because I'm on LinkedIn all the time uh, doing a lot of marketing and I'm always clicking on people's stuff and I'm like, so what do these people do? Like you click on the name and then you click on the description and it still doesn't really explain it. <laughs> right. <clears throat> like, yeah. I, like I don't, you know, so. You got to you know, know make, Bunny Rabbit Simple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you got to really kind of make sure that whatever, however you name it, because that's your first that's your first 30 seconds so somebody's looking at you is like you know how why would i do business with this guy you know i don't even know what he does kind of thing so or lady sorry um but why would i do business with this company when you know what they do isn't explained in in three seconds you know i mean like nobody really wants to read and nobody really wants to define you know what it is you do so just make sure that you yeah a name is good you know but you don't have to i mean you know, I mean, Google, what the hell was Google? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. think about it. Yahoo. They, what the fuck? Yeah. What, what was Yahoo? Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, they made themselves a name, right. but, you but know. Simple, it was, simple to say and simple to spell. Right. right. And, and yeah, and when you do something, you know, especially when you're getting your email address, please, dear God, try to find something small. Right. Because, you know, when people start typing that, that's how you don't get emails because they make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Try to email good. your email address and try to keep it small try to keep it you know small to the point if you yeah. can and you like know, you said just, too like you're saying too is so if you have a really long name you got to think about that everything everything you brand that on is going to take up real estate you know your your right your website is going to be you know potentially if it's three words long there's a lot of potential to spell things wrong things like yeah that. yeah and, yeah it's absolutely but you know the email address is you know joe at tri-state commercial residential flooring right. concepts you know what I mean? like, <laughs> right. like that's a that's a lot you know I mean? like you know try to break it down into something easy like you know maybe just do tri-state flooring or tri-state yeah. concepts or try you know like try to keep it short sweet yeah. and simple so that it's easy for somebody to remember when you have all that stuff that, i mean people can't remember names let alone uh, a name of a company that has five names in the name of the company so just you know try to keep it short yeah. and simple and effective, you know, make, try to, well, however you name it, try to make sure that it kind of goes with what you're doing kind of yeah. thing. The next one is, uh, you're, you're, I know you're going to chuckle on this one. Understand raising financing is difficult. Right? 
<laughs> Raising finance is difficult. You know, it, it is. It, it's very difficult. So the biggest thing I tell people all the time is that, you know, I got into business, you know, once when I had really good credit and then I got into business a second time when it had such good credit. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, I mean, like right now, there's no bank lending money. Like, I, you know, they're really not. They're really not lending money um, for businesses. I have applied for an SBA loan back on the, the 22nd of September, and we're still nowhere. Like, and they're yeah. supposed to be blowing these things out. You know, that's what you hear on the news is that everybody's getting approved for this SBA loan. Well, there's so many people in the pipeline that they just can't get to them. But, you know, like, and credit and it's it's not that it's it's easy to get money Let, let's let's flip this because that's actually that's a lie it's easy to get money you i get 42 phone calls every day from from merchant capital advance companies um to give me money up to a hundred thousand dollars every single day right i can get a hundred grand all day yeah. you're paying back 150 but <laughs> i can get a hundred grand all day so right. i was gonna say the 72 percent interest rate right yeah it's you know it's probably in between 23 and 35, but, but that's effective too. Like you, we say that and I'm joking about it, but you know, at some point you're going to have to use that money. Like you're going to have to borrow that money and it's going to be on something, you know, like I, you know, we have a really large contract in November that's $55,000 for two days worth of work. You know, so if I, if I didn't have any cash and I needed to get something quick, you know, I wouldn't mind taking a little hit on income on that one job, knowing that I'm going to get a big check, you know, right. or I use that money now and then I pay it back in two months when that company pays me, yeah, use it you know, as kind float. of thing. So you, you use it as a, as a floating loan or, or a line to get you from A to B. You don't want to constantly use that kind of money, you know, but um, but there's also, there's programs, community programs, like, so you have um, Access Capital that's in the city. They help um, entrepreneurs um, get money to, to run businesses. Um, the city of Wilmington gives out grant money um, for people that open up brick and mortars in the city, in the city um, footprint. So, and then there's other grants now with additional money. The county has money to give city um, businesses. So, you know, like, and there's, there's tons of things, but it's it's just you have to understand how to access it the traditional going to your bank you know walking in the door and talking to your banker about getting business financing unless you have a ton of real estate to put up yeah. or you own the building that your business is running out of you're not getting money from them like right. they're going to go through sba 7a or something like that to get it and that's just takes forever because right. they're just not gonna they're and not that's gonna a ta- and that's a test to you for life and it's well, but it's not a, you know, like that, that's how it is. Like, it's just, you know, like a 7A loan is just, it takes a while because it goes through the government and that way the bank gets a guarantee. It's like a VA loan uh, for a residential house is same thing that the federal government is guaranteeing through HUD that you're going to pay this money back. So the bank is only on the hook for 75% of the money, you know, versus 100% of the money. So they look at that as, you know, an easier way. So, you know, and your credit's gotta be immaculate to go to a regular bank too. You can't have any banged and bruised and most entrepreneurs like myself is you're using your credit, like use your credit cards, you use, you know, your personal credit cards when they tell you not to do it, but you need it, you know, especially in the last seven months, it's up and down and up and down. And sometimes you just got to hit your credit card, you know, because that's the way it is. And when you hit your credit card, the scores go down. 
right. you know, and it's an, and, and that, you know, the cycle is up and down and up and down. So yeah, just, you know, know that so, it's going to be tough. So what do you, and I think I know the answer you're going to say to this is what, what is your thought process? If you do need to, you know, somebody's brand new walks into a bank is, is a better going to the local bank, going to a big bank, you know, what, what's your, what's your advice for somebody starting out fresh? Somebody that has, that has not opened a company got no chance. Yeah. You're going to have to go to, um, you know, see guys or you're going to have to go, you know, and you got to have a good plan. If you walk into a bank and you haven't been in business for one day, you better have a stellar business plan. That business plan better stay, better stay Star Wars, you know, really, because, <laughs> you know, they're just going to laugh you out of the office. I mean, and, and again, I'm, we're not trying to be mean and nasty, but I'm just telling, like I had, I had been in business for a while. I had bootstrapped my own, my own company with my own money. And I just got reinvested because of my unique personal situation that I didn't have any bills at the time when I opened up the catering company. So I would just keep pouring the money back in, buying more equipment, doing more stuff. And I needed a little bit of money for me to live off of. Um, so I went to the bank uh, three, four years into it when I had, you know, all I had tax returns. I had all that stuff proving that this was a viable business and they still laughed at me. Right. I mean, so like, you know, like walking in day, day one, zero saying, Hey, I want to borrow half a million dollars to open this company. It, you know, not going to happen. Gonna, it's not going to happen. Like you, you gotta, you gotta have some kind of assets, you know, you gotta have stellar, you know, somebody that has a home, you know, they've been working 30 plus years and now, you know, they decided, okay, I'm done with working for the man and I want to work for myself. Well, then you have different asset structure, you know, but if you're just a young person coming out of college or a young, you know, a young professional has decided I want to do my own thing, you know, like you're going to have to have some kind of assets that they're going to want to tie down and, and basically hold on to because they're not going to, because basically a, a business loan is just, a revolving line of credit. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's, it's like unsecure because they're only going to secure your assets, which are 90% of the time equipment and tools kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and when you and go you to sell on, that, that's worth yeah. 10 cents on the dollars and they right. know that. So, right. and you, you hit it on the grants too. You know, I, I don't care. I don't care whether you're an entrepreneur or charity executive whatever grants are out there. There's hundreds of thousands of them and they can't say no to you ask. You got to take the time to, to try to submit them because you never know. And even this, you even try twice in some of the grants, you know, you never know. So that's the other thing yeah. that I think COVID has the positive side of COVID has really educated people on the grant side that that's getting done a lot, a lot more. And there's a lot of professionals out there to help you depending on what you're looking for. I mean, that's, it's, it's, you know, if you don't feel comfortable doing your own, there's a lot of people out there that will do it for you. They will. So, and there's a fee involved. So don't think sure. you're not going to have to pay. Absolutely. You know, there's a couple ladies, uh, um, in the Middletown chamber to do it. Um, and there's a couple other people that aren't in the chambers that do it, but yeah, I mean, like you just know that you're going to, there's going to be, so you're going to have to pay them something up front. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to, apply for a grant and you say, well, I'll pay you on the back end. That's not going to happen right, because right. they know there ain't no they, guarantee that there ain't no guarantee <laughs> in getting that money. So, you know, even no matter how well the grant, you know, the writing for the grant is written, doesn't mean that that's going to be a hundred percent slam dunk that you get it. Like there's other people out there writing for the right. same grant, you know, you could be asking for a portion or piece or all of it. It just all depends. So, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a fee involved in, and they're, uh, they're not, uh, they're not going to do it you know, for free. Most, most all. So. All right. Let's see. Next one. Number five on the list is build a great website for your company. And this, this is an important one because I think 
there's two schools of thoughts on this and it's been, you know, it's like the, it's like egg white versus egg, right. Versus the yolk, right. It's, it's all, everybody has an opinion on it and it's, and there's some science behind it, but, but the reality is, you know, you can have a very short call to action website, or you can have an expansive explain everything you do to the money detail. Where, where do you sit on that on that, on that side of the fence? I, I think, so I think in the middle, because what I'll tell you is through the years of, of, you know, revamping my website and websites and all that kind of stuff is that you have to put enough information for them to make a decision, but you don't want to overload them with decision. You don't want to throw up on the page. Like you need just enough to kind of get who you are, what you do and why they should choose you and then have a list of products or whatever services, whatever it is. Um, and you also have to keep the, the choice of products and services simple because uh, what I found out and a perfect example is we have our food um, shopping cart online and we made it so that you as a consumer could choose whatever you wanted. And, and honestly, it just over and they wind up getting frustrated and not ordering because there's just too many options. So when you're advertising, like, you know, this past week we did the beef and broccoli, you know, mm-hmm. you should just have that. That's what, because they saw it, they liked it, boom. And if they have a question about, you know, they don't want white rice, they want brown rice, then they'll just put a comment, hey, can I have brown rice? And then it's a simple one question instead of going in and looking, I want beef and broccoli and, oh, I can have this. Oh, I can. Next thing you know, you have the Shawnee Penny Syndrome. They're all over the place and they right. haven't even ordered one order of food yet. So yeah. you got to kind of make it as simple and as easy as possible and, you thinking you're giving them more options is going to get more orders is, is not always the best case. Yeah. And you, you, and you talked about the conciseness for sure. And then, you know, the, the technology and the mindset side behind that is there, there's always this rule of people are very keyword oriented from an optimization standpoint, right? So you gotta, you always got to put things on your website that the common person will, will search, not your technical jargon, not your, you know, not your industry. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. It's that, that keyword orientation that brings them in. And then once they're in, you know, the rule generally is that three click process, right? If any, if you have to, if they have to click more than three times to find out what they're looking for, you start to lose them. And that's a really, probably the two best pieces of advice we could give from, you know, make sure you're optimized from a keywords, you know, and that's something that you can look at competitors for, or the industry, you know, the industry knowledge base, things like that. Make sure, make sure like if mom's your customer, how is mom going to, going to search for you in a browser and that's that's how they're going to find you yeah absolutely and and there's a a google and uh google and facebook i've been thinking i believe both have an optimization of keyword strategy for you like if you're going to start um advertising on google for the little little ads they have inside your media thing there they'll show you what the like you just start typing in keywords and, and the more you have to pay, they're the, the better keywords. I promise you that. Like that's how Google gets you. Like, yeah, so if you do yeah. cater, if you do cater in Delaware, that's the most expensive keyword because that's, you know, what everybody's Googling catering in Delaware. Right. Then if you get a little more, you know, refined with like, you know, catering in Delaware or catering Newcastle or catering Newark, catering mm-hmm. Wilmington, it's probably a little less because not everybody's is, is like city specific, yeah. you know, when they, when they're good, when they're searching for a custom right. company. So, yeah, but they'll, they'll show you, you know, like screwdriver, you know, in Newcastle, right. you know, it'll, it'll tell you right. if that's a good keyword that people, right. you know, 
but you're right. That, what is what is helpful is those anchor words like you, whether it's tutoring or catering or hardware or what you know that right, coaching that, or, that does right that does help you anchor. And then you got to be creative about the how what what's the most likely word in front and after that people are going to search and, and that that does help for sure. Um, it's there though. Once you start doing it, they yeah. show you what. Once you start typing in coaching, then they'll they'll show you all the right. all the ones that are, are most yeah. frequently uh, searched. And, and, and most importantly, we'll, we'll leave on this one to the next one with this piece of advice is, you know, and your, your, your tabs on your, you know, your header tabs and your page names are hugely important to kind of make sure you're naming and putting in your keyword searches. And I can't tell you how many times we look at a website and say, the home page is named home. Nobody's searching home. <laughs> They're searching no, terms catering or, or catering, you know, Delaware's number one caterer, right? That's what they're, that's what they're searching. That should be on your page headers and your, and your tab pages. And, and so many people make that mistake with the homepage, just calling it home and it's, it's lost opportunity for you. And that's a, that's a good piece of free advice for you today. So moving on to, to number six, and this is one of my favorite, cause I think people do a horrible job with this is your perfect elevator pitch, right? <laughs> So I love when somebody comes to sell me and they come at me with a 50 page PowerPoint, I'm going, nope, 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 stop. Tell me in five seconds to 40 seconds, what are you going to do with me? And then I will make a determination. We're going to have more of a conversation. Right. So it's got to be between 30 and 60 seconds. I mean, that's really the average, you know, if you go to any networking, it's only a 30 second pitch. If you go to BNI, they give you 60 seconds, you know, and that's a international organization of networking, you know, so it's 30 to 60 seconds, really. You got to put it, kind of put it all in there. And, and the pitch doesn't have to stay the same every single time. Um, you can have a tagline to, you know, like it's terms, we say that our food is better than our service and our, I mean, yeah, our service is better than our food and our food is incredible. So, I mean, that's right. a tagline. That's awesome. Right. right. It's, it's an awesome That says tagline. a lot. Right. right. That says a lot. So, so it gives you everything you need to know about us in one sentence, but then you can like lead in, like you could, depending on your audience, you know, like, so right now it's the holidays. So you say, Hey, you know, <clears throat> did you go to grandma's for Thanksgiving and the food sucked? Well then maybe you should call somebody, you know, that'll have it all ready for you. So we have, you know, a full holiday package. It's heat and eat. All you have to do is put it in the oven, heat it back up and boom, there's no, there's no mess. There's no fuss. And everybody's going to love coming, coming to your Christmas dinner or Christmas open house or whatever it is. And boom, there's 30 seconds. You know, like you can right. tailor it to each season. You can tell it to each message, each customer, but you know, have a tagline, have something about you, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, and you know, there's just people out there that they say really weird and crazy things. And as I'm saying that, you know who I'm talking about, but <laughs> at the end of the day, you know what, you're always going to remember that person. Like, so yeah. as bad as some, some people think it is, yeah. you know, everybody, if I were to say this in a group of 40 people, I bet you 25 people would know exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, you but, you, I mean? like, but you're right. And, and, you know, you, you and I have a bunch of serious things that we're going to be launching in the first quarter to some, some workshops and stuff like that. And it's probably not a bad idea to be honest with you to put together something like a, you know, what's your elevator pitch and, and not sure. just what's your elevator pitch, but what's an effective elevator pitch. And, and that's something I think, you know, we, we talked about doing with a number of the workshops we're going to, we're going to do next year. And, you know, that, that gets you down to, you know, a couple of other things is, 
you know, transition to the next topic, understanding financial statements and budgets. You know, if you've been beat up on the financial side, you, you kind of know this by fire, right? But, you know, a budget's a big deal when you're first starting out. Because like you said, sometimes you got to eat noodles, right? <laughs> to get to the season, get through the season. And then, sure. you know, you get to a big payday and then hopefully you get to a big payday. So, you know, how, how much emphasis do you put on budget? Do you manage that directly or do you farm that out? How do you, how do, you do that? So we use QuickBooks as, as, as online as our system, and my accountant um, likes it because he says that we can have all our information instantaneously because it's linked to your checking account. So most of the time, it's just approving the, the, um, the fields. Um, so so with, the, with the money part of running a business, you need to know how much it first costs to, to run to for you to run the business. Then you need to know how much your product costs. Um, in, in the food industry, it's extremely important that you know, because you know if you watch any one of these shows where somebody comes in and helps somebody at a restaurant and they the first, <laughs> the absolute first question they ask them is what's your food cost? And if you don't know that, then you can't run a business. And it's no different than if you're selling widgets or if you're selling, you know, if you're selling coaching, I mean, you're selling your time, but you got to have, you got to know what goes into that time. Like just because you spent 30 minutes on the phone coaching me doesn't mean that that's the only 30 minutes you spent. You might have had an additional hour behind the scenes where you were getting material together. You're walking through things like depending on how you coach, people or Pay, you know. put adding in your electric bill and your gas bill. And right. Right. Know, exactly. All, all that you gotta stuff. know all that right. stuff and you got to know what it is. And yeah, you know, it's your, and, it's your cost models. And uh, you know, you know, we were, we were having a couple of strategy conversations with some folks that we were helping out. And, you know, we just, we had that conversation was, you know, what is your, you know, what's your typical customer coming in the door? And I know there's exceptions, but you know, what are the, what are the, and what is every single aspect of the, of the cost that affects that, success and failure. And I do this a lot on the marketing side. We do our free marketing um, evaluations for a company. The first thing we walk in and ask is how much are you paying total for marketing? And they'll say, you know, most five, people say they don't know. They, they don't know. They, they really say they don't know. Or I don't they, know. Or I they pay a thousand bucks for this or I pay $300 yeah. for that. Right. Or I pay two, like they've never actually put a yeah. total to it. And, then, you know and then when, when you get into your point though, and you're right, that's usually the answer. I don't know. But then when you calculate it all out and it's like, five grand, you ask the next logical question is how many leads are you getting out of that? And guess right. what the answer is? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, why are you paying it? Right. So yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing enough is, you know, understand what you're paying, but also understand what you're getting out of it. And, and again, it goes back to what you, what you preach all the time, which is systems, you know, and sure. systems have to directly align to your marketing, which have to directly align to your financial models to say, am I making money off of this funnel? And how do I increase the profitability of each funnel? And, you know, systems kind of get you there. Well, yeah, but part of the system is to make sure first you need to know how much it costs to make the widget. Like forget the advertising part, forget the, the front of the house part of it. You need to know what the back of the house part of it is, is the, the, you know, the piece of metal costs me this or the piece of steak costs me that. And then when we put it all together, this is what it costs, you know, you know, now, you know, there's two different product lines, you know, like we do multiple things on, you know, like we have a pricing structure for a hundred and more. Well, that's because once you get to that point, everything over a hundred is, is just, you know, like gravy because right. once you're doing a hundred, 
adding 10, 15, 20, another hundred. So it doesn't cost us that much more money. So right. that's all the extra profit because we've got, we've, yeah. we've, we've done all the hard work to get to a hundred. And then after that, yeah. So, and, and you're right. And it amazes me how many people don't know their break even point. Right. Like it, it's, they, they have no idea. And it's, and I think some people are, are successful despite themselves. So when the, when the checks are rolling in, it doesn't matter. But when you, when tight times come and you go, shit, what's my break even point? I don't know. <laughs> Right. right. So that's, well, that's and, a- and you know, it's so like, you know, obviously in this, in this last eight months, you know, <coughs> you're right. Like, so when we were running smooth up to, you know, January and February, there was a certain minimal amount of money that we had to collect, you know, every week, every month right. to make it work. Well, then once you, the wheels stopped, then you had to re again, you know, we had to reevaluate the system. Like I say, you constantly reevaluate. So then we sat down and we said, okay, well, what can I, you know, like, what can I, what can I not pay? What can I call them and ask them to furlough? What can I call them and ask them, you know, to give me a discount on what can I, you know, all the things that I was paying, how can I, you know, start. And then you sit down. Okay. And then we sat down and we said, okay, well, here's, here's what, here's, how much money I think we're going to need before we're going to get help. And that's what we did. Like then we broke it down. Okay. Well, if we cut the payroll to this much this week, here's the payroll, here's the rent, here's an electric. These are all things that aren't really going to change that much. Give or take, you know, electric changes because the more you work, the more you use, but yeah. it went from $1,200 to $700. It's not that much. You know what I mean? Cause of the ever everyday costs, but you figured out what, okay, now this is what it costs. So, that's when we said, okay, let's go after the brides and collect more, uh, collect more p- deposits from the brides we have. And let's, this is the number we need to get to to get us to this date, you know, is how we figured it out. So, and, and it worked perfectly. I mean, you just have, again, you have to go back to your systems and go back to your books and ba- back to your stuff and, and figure out, but you got to know, you know, wh- what you're doing and how much things cost and whether this is going to work because you can't give stuff away where you're not making money just because you have sales doesn't equal profitability you know like it's yeah, yeah you got yeah. you got to know that you're making money over top of what it costs you to make the money yeah so the next one <clears throat> is interesting this because this is this is one that i think people think about a lot all the time and it, it starts to get once you get out of the solopreneur sole sole entrepreneur space you know is get all your employees and consultants and freelancers to sign a non-disclosure non-compete Right. Because everybody's friends until something bad happens. And then all of a sudden everybody's pissed off and opening something up next door. And that's something you really got to think through from a competitive standpoint of if half my team left and did what I was doing, what, what happens? Well, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought on that. So in the middle part of this company, I, I did that for the key people. Um, but you know what, at the end of the day, it's, it's not something that can, that will be legally held um, accountable. They say to do it, but every state has its laws about not um, non-competes and not and not. You can have a non-disclosure that I, t- I tell everybody to sign because normally in a manager meeting you're talking finances, you're talking contracts, you're talking money. You know, you can have a non-disclosure that is that's got teeth, but a non-compete is really tough in the state of Delaware to actually um, enforce because you have to show damages. And the only way you can show damages is in a, in a, a state with our employment rules is that you paid them some type of money to come on board. So basically a non-compete has to come with a check. Like, so if, 
you, you know, you came on board as a partner. I, now you came with a check. I can hold you accountable. You can hold me accountable and I can hold you accountable right. for that money. But when you hire employees, even like managers or, you know, like Be- Be- Becky right now is a vice president of operations, you, you just, you can write out an executive employment contract, but you know, it, unless I wrote her a check for 10 grand and then all I would be suing back for is the 10 grand that I gave her. Right. You know what I mean? So like you have to be careful, you know, on that, on that kind of thinking that you can have them sign something that's going right. to, that that's, that's a legal binding document. That's really not, you have to have damages because that's what you're going to sue for right. is damages because they, they took your customers. I, I think this goes back to management of people, coaching of, of your personnel versus having a non or having a non-compete disclosure. Um, certain industries are a little different. There's IT and there's technology and there's trademarks. That's completely different. You know what I mean? Like that, that has its right. own, own world, but in your world and my world, you know, as, as we all know, people can just leave an open up, you know, right. a shingle next door. And, and, right. and at the end of the day, change the flavor just a little bit. Right. Right. And, and it happens every single day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, I, right. it's happened to me several times. Um, when I had the commercial cleaning company and now in the food business and it's not somebody left, it's just somebody that took my idea and right. spun it two degrees and, and made it their own. Um, I look at it as yeah. if you take care of your employees and your customers, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. Well, like you know, there's one little technology trick I always tell somebody is particularly protecting your customer contact information um, have embedded in your customer list three fake emails that go back to you. And that way you will always have a notification when somebody's taking your list. Right. And that's one trick that I always tell somebody from a protection standpoint that you will, you will get it. You'll get a, you'll get a good, you'll get a good anonymous tip off when somebody in your organization is using your list because that those fake email, there's two or three fake emails that you have will give you that alert. And I always, always make that recommendation to protect your contact, your customer contact list, especially sure. if you have thousands because no one's going to go through every single one and look. Right. They're not going to scrub out to see. Right. But you know, I, I will, I will promise to tell you that your good clients will tell you that it's happening, whether you, whether you right. have those bad emails or not, right, like right. they'll say, Hey, um, Somebody reached out to me about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, they, you know, they left, um, you know, I wish them well, that kind of thing. Like, it's just, it, it it's tough. I mean, yeah. in my business is extremely hard. I mean, because, you know, you can spin and have a hot dog stand. You know what I mean? Like you can spin and have, you know, a pizza truck. You can spin and have, yeah. you know, like multiple different things, you know, and what, you know, I just, I wish everybody well, like, I look at the end of the day, this, what I do is so hard that, that when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it, I don't think people are going to last when they, 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 yes, I, apparently I make this look really easy, but it's, it's, it's excruciating. And by the time right. it all comes down, they're just looking for another job. Like they, they might've tried something for a week or two and then, you know, within a couple months there were, you know, I find, I find out that they're working somewhere else or they're, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think the toughest thing is, is when you're hiring people is that you make sure you really pay attention to their, their resume and their application, because you have to see whether or not they're using you to actually right. get 
something else. Right. That's right. the toughest thing. Right. You know, it's not the people you have now leaving and taking what you have. Cause that's, that's really tough. I mean, there's not too many people I think that could actually leave and take everything I have, right. you know, yeah, there might be a customer here and there. Or they might do, you know, little things. So I had a guy in the kitchen that was doing um, meals for some elderly people in his, um, his building. You know what I mean? I said, that's cool. I said, you know, yeah. you're not supposed to be doing it, but you know, yeah, you're, you're right. not hurting my business by having right. five or six people, you know, like you have to just kind of evaluate, is it worth the aggravation? Right. You know what I mean? Like, is it worth the fight for five right. customers <clears throat> that I was probably never going to get in the first place? Right. You know I mean, he but, got them because he lives I, next door to him. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, I don't know. And again, they go to church together, you know, like right. I, that probably wasn't going to be my customers in the right. first place. And, so. and if he cares that much, you're probably getting 10 times more at him anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully, you know, right. but, right. but that, yeah, but that's the point, you know, like you yeah. just have to, you have to really evaluate it. Um, you know, again, on certain intellectual stuff, you know, like it stuff or, or yeah. patents for, you know, yeah, intellectual like, property. It's a whole different world, but just for the average employer that is, a landscaper or in the construction business or coaching or, you know, has an office that they, you know, have a staffing company. Like, you know, you, if you have a franchise for a staffing company, then they probably have an ironclad, you know, no compete because they're an internet, they're a national company that has a law, like some law firm on retainer, you know what I mean? So they're, and they want to make sure that their brand isn't, isn't, um, going to be nicked up by somebody doing that. But for a mom and pa shop like me, you know, I don't, I don't have the money right. to fight a lawyer, you know, cause the lawyer is going to cost three to five grand right, right off the bat. Yeah. You know, just, just, just to right. get a lawyer. And you're, you know you're, I mean? you're so, better. Yeah. You're better off focusing on reputation. Right, I'm better off taking that three to five grand and just right. getting more customers. Right. right. I mean? <laughs> so let's, let's pivot to a couple of Two more, two more of these, and I know that's and, not the answer and, you wanted to hear. But no, no, no. It's good advice, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the point, the point is, it's it, it can be a cluster. I mean, it, 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 could, it, it can be a huge issue. Yeah, and you you got to think about before you get into a partnership: is it really serving to you, and are you taking the money because you need the money, or taking the money because it makes it you know because it makes a good it's a decision. So right, you know. but the answer to that every day is is that if you create a system that not one person is actually the key holder to anything, you don't have to worry about them leaving. That's what happens when you're small yeah. and you and you become the funnel mm-hmm. and you hold you 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 keep you you're the one that's either choking it out or making it larger. That's when you're going to have problems because these people you can't live without them. If you create a system that no matter who sits in that chair, it's always going to be successful because here's what you do to become successful. Right. Then them leaving. Yeah, I mean, of course, people, you know, gain relationships with people on the phone. I mean, I have Megan and Christy and Becky, you know, they're in the office. And of course, they're they're creating relationships with these yeah. customers. But at the end of the day, you know, they want the service and they want the food. You know, yeah, they, they don't want to have to talk and train a new person about how, how they order food or how it comes or whatever. But they're willing to do that just to make sure they still get the same service, same food kind of thing. So it's it's how you treat your employees as well as the system, as well as everything else. I just wanted to finish with that because I didn't want no, no. to sound impersonal about it, but no, no, it's 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 a, it's a tricky thing, and it and is it's very tricky. So let's 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 pivot to another trip tricky topic: taxation, taxes. <sighs> right, that you can you they can live or you can live or die by taxes. How do you, how do you you know do you kind of take that all on yourself? Do you no. get a great accountant? How do you yes. how do you do that? So my first thing when I ever when I when I've been helping people, um, coaching them 
um, in business is that you there's there's four things that you need right off the bat. You need a good lawyer, you need a good accountant, you need a good insurance person, and you need to find a good banker. And I can give most every person that I help all four of those things because I, I've I've interviewed thousands of people, and not everybody works well in in in, in my category. So because of my category, so. Um, if they can do my category, then nine times out of 10, they can do other people's category. That's not as um, tricky, you know, because we have food and we have employees and we have all kinds of things. It's a little tricky sometimes with how things are categorized and stuff like that. But if you're just doing a regular business where it's just business and business out, um, you got to get a good accountant and, and there's good accountants for every level. There's some accountants that just solely and specifically help brand new people you know, that they just help brand new clients because it's just a, a return that's probably 10 to 15 hours more than a regular 1040. You know what I mean? And then the next level is then you're, then you're into an LLC or a C Corp, S Corp, mm. you know, and then there's a next level. And then there's the big companies, you know, like Amazon, like, like, and then there's firms that actually just deal with that size company, you know, um, same thing with payroll. You have to get a good payroll company. And I, and, and I've in 22 years, I've tried to dodge, the IRS 941 bullet, I don't know how many times. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, when you, <laughs> because, you know, everybody has the same attitude, like, you know, nobody wants to pay this shit and blah, 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 bullshit. But, and, and I get it. And I'm no different than anybody else, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, if you can find a good company, you can just take, take all that pressure off of you because there's nothing worse than Friday morning, nine o'clock in the morning, you start getting text messages, emails, phone calls that I didn't get paid or blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. So um, you got to have a good accountant, you know, and, and the accountant may not do tax like payroll taxes. You can get two separate companies and it's easy to, right. to hook all that up through pay, paychecks. I mean, I'm um, sorry, um, through um, QuickBooks online and, uh, and just, uh, you know, it'll, it'll integrate itself where you don't have to worry about it. Once you do it once, it'll all set itself yeah. up from there on out. But yeah, it's, you know, taxes is crazy. Taxes is a crazy thing. And especially as these tax laws keep getting crazier and crazier, you know, like I got, I got banged pretty good two years ago because I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention and my accountant wasn't paying attention to my paycheck. Right. <laughs> and um, I had a rollover uh, pass through debt uh, loss that no longer rolled forward at, because of the new tax laws. And I wasn't taking taxes out of my paycheck because I'm an S corp. So I have to take a check. Um, there has to be somebody in the company that takes a standardized check when you're an S corp. Um, right. That's one of the rules of having an S corp. So I just wasn't, I was doing single and 15 and they were taking out very minimal taxes. And I wound up at the end of the year, the company made money. I made money and I owed the IRS, like, I think it was like close to $12,000. So you know, you, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, any good accountant will tell you, let them, let, let them hold your money because it's only like three or 4% interest you pay the IRS. So you just let that, you know, just pay them as a loan. But there, there was no reason for that to happen. If I would have just yeah. checked my paid stub and made sure I had the right deductions, it, I would probably but, own three or four grand. Yeah. You but to I mean? your so, point, but to your point though, <clears throat> the tax topic could be a part-time job for you. If you, if you try to do it, it can be a lot. Well. I mean, you have to make sure yeah. that, you know, at a certain point when you start owing the IRS money, they want you to have, they want you to prepay. And then you got to make sure that you're doing your quarterly, right. um, 
your quarterly tax payments and all that kind of stuff. It can, it can be crazy, right. you know, cause you say taxes and everybody thinks, Oh, my return at the end of the year. But you know, that, that's not the only taxes as an employer right. you have. You have your, 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 UC, your, your UC1, which is your unemployment tax to the state of Delaware. You have a 940s, your, you know, your W3s at the end of the year, you have your, um, your quarterly state uh, wage tax. You have your city wage tax. Um, just because you don't work in a city doesn't mean you don't have to deal with the city and the wage tax because anybody that lives in the city and that works for you has to have wage taxes taken out of their paycheck. And I promise you that the city of Wilmington will get their money one way or the other. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. So yeah. all that comes into well, play. Well, to your point, it's like, it's like luggage. You, luggage, you keep it forever. I mean, it, it's yeah. the, tax, the tax problem's not going away. So. It, you no, know, it's definitely not going away because yeah. here's what happens. You, you go to get a loan. <laughs> through, just, through any of these banks and nine times out of 10, they use the small business, um, the small business department of state of Delaware, because they'll hold, they'll guarantee some of the money. Um, and then what they do is then the, the state actually audits you unbeknownst to you and they audit you. Right. And then that's when they find out whether or not all your taxes were paid in any one category. They don't actually audit every category. They just pick a category. And it's funny how it works. Like I've been audited three different times because I had three different loans through the state of Delaware. And it's funny how one time it was um, a, a state wage problem. The second time it was an um, unemployment issue. And the third time it was a um, city issue because somehow it popped up that there was a lien that the city, I, we owed city wage taxes. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money, but it just, you know, this is when those things pop up when you're trying to move forward and then boom, here comes these things that now you have to stop and deal with. You know, and if you had a good, payroll company that was taking care of this, you wouldn't have any of these issues with a good accountant that makes sure that everything's done at the end of the year. You know, that's huge. So let's, let's, let's pivot to our last, our last one here on the Forbes list, which is expect big challenges and be prepared for them. And, and there's no greater metaphor <laughs> in the last 20 years than the super pandemic, right? So what, what have you learned if you, you know, we've been dealing with this about nine months now, what, and, and don't even know if it's going to be over within a year's time, bell to bell, right? What, what's the one or two things that you've learned in the last nine months that you wish you would have done over differently, um, had to do it over again? What would I have done differently if I had to do it over again? I mean, you can never have enough money saved up. I mean, you just can't. Um, I don't know that I would ever do that differently, but I mean, as a lesson learned, like the, the more, the more you have in the coffers, you know, they tell you to have at least six months in the coffers and nine times out of 10, nobody has that. Right. Um, but you ever. know, you, you, yeah, ever you, you try to get as much as you possibly can in there. You know, I've always, my plan was always to have at least one month's worth of pay payroll sitting in the payroll count. You know, and we, we were great on that for probably about 18 months where we would always have at least one month's worth of pay. Um, and as we took one out, we would put more one, one week back in. So um, to stay four weeks ahead. Um, you just got to know your company and you got to know you and you got to know you have to work a plan and you have to work a plan bigger than than what your, you know, your goals have to be huge. And, and I'm going to tell you that we survived this solely because we had a huge goal and a huge plan and we had been working it for 18 months. Meaning before, that, co before, before COVID, COVID hit, right. right. We had been working it hard and strong for 18 months and that's how we survived this because we had that plan in place. We had that, 
that, that base of customers to go after, like I told you earlier, you know, we, we figured out what the budget was for two months, how much we were going to need to have for the limited payroll, for the limited people we kept on board after um, March 19th um, until May 1st when we got the PPP money that we didn't know was coming because PPP was after EDIL. So I was just looking that I was going to get like 50 or 60 grand for EDIL to last us to July. Cause we all thought this was only going to last till July, you know, in our, in our, and, in our and minds. And July most, was, <laughs> right. And most people thought it was only going to last till April. Right. But I looked at it. Well, right. if this goes till July, you know, the, how, what would we need to do? So, you know, um, you, you just have, you know, the biggest thing with this is that it's not easy, you know, like you, you can't, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get kicked in the face, like a, a mule kick constantly. Like it's, you know, it's never, it's never ending. It happens all the time when everything's running smooth. That's when you should be worried right. because that's, that's exactly when the wheel falls off the truck. You know what I mean? Like that's when you get a flat tire. That's when the check engine light comes on. That's when the exhaust starts smoking. Like, you know, you have to always be ready for what if, and I, and I, and I try to train all my managers that, that way, like stop worrying about the problem today and worry about the problem tomorrow. Like, how can we fix what's, well, and they're like, well, I don't understand. I'm like, well, you have to foresee what's coming down the road. Like, I mean, none of us foresaw COVID. I mean, that, that if anybody said that they knew this was coming and they were ready for it, they're bullshit lying to you because they weren't ready for this. Nobody was ready for this. You know, I've been through 9-11. I've been through 07 and 08 of the, you know, I've been through some crazy things, but this, this, this is outlasted them by, by six, seven months, you know, like 07, 08 was probably three months long, you know, where rates dipped or rates went up. We couldn't really get mortgages it took about 90 days for the banks to kind of like figure it all out and then start lending again. But there's an end point though, to your point, like that I was having a discussion with somebody else. Like when you, you look like the, like the nine 11 crisis, right? There was a beginning and an end. And with COVID right. there's really, the end hasn't come yet. Right. We, well, so, we haven't defined the end yet. Right. That's right. the problem. Agreed. Right. Right. right so right. yeah, there's no, you know, you, you, have we actually got to the peak or are we just still on the uprise? And you know, what, what does that look like? And that, that's the difficult right. thing to do is, when you think about me, you know, in a business or, or even starting a business, if you're going to, do you want to take this massive leap in uncertainty, not knowing what the playing field is going to shift, right? Like if I was a restaurant, if I was thinking about opening a restaurant right now, there's no way I do it. Right. Cause you don't know if you're going to be a hundred percent spent capacity, you know, hundred percent takeout or anywhere in between. You have no idea right. how to forecast that. And, and, it, and it's really tough, especially because you're going to be new in this environment that right. people are already angry, you know? So like, and I'm speaking of my industry and my industry only. Like, so it's really tough. The expectation of food is super high as far as what they expect for the price they pay. And when you all of a sudden think you're going to have this cool look. So a perfect example is that guy, you know, the guys opening that diner right across from Grotto's and behind the, um, the Dunkin' Donuts right there on Delaware Avenue. Right. It's supposed to be one of those old 50 diners with all those old cars in there. Well, you know, his, his model is that you go in there, it's going to be like when you watch Pulp Fiction, you know, right. where they have a car sitting in there and it's going to be this cool, like fifties thing. Well, if you can only have 30% of the people, <laughs> that's the, right. Your, your, your whole concept is really out the window. That's why you have $5 milkshakes, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It was, it was $10, that's $10 right. milkshakes, $10 but, milkshake. but nonetheless, but, but that's my point. Like, so, 
you know, like I would wait till the next to to till we get back to at least phase two before I would open open up to open up because at least that point you're at sixty percent. You're probably not going to do capacity anyway because you're a brand new restaurant. Right. You know, and it takes time to fill the seats, so there would be a good time where you're limited in the capacity you can serve, not by your own design or your own fault. You know, mm -hmm. you're limited. So it gives you time to kind of work the kinks out, make sure the POS system is working, make sure it's getting back to the kitchen. It's getting over to the service station. It's getting to the bar, like all that stuff. You're working all those kinks out with less people. You know what I mean? Like maybe in January you open regardless of the thing. So you start at 30% and then January to February, March goes to back to 65, 70. So then you're working towards, okay, then by the springtime, I'll be open 100% kind of thing. So let me ask you this, your opinion on this, right? Being in, being in the restaurant business, you know, I, I often think about this for consulting that we do sometimes is, you know, the virtual, the gift of virtual and the gift of takeout, which to me takeout is the, the restaurant version of, of virtual services, right? Is, sure. is, you know, do you, do you now going forward, because I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say a lot of restaurants that are traditionally seated have takeout as an afterthought in a lot of cases as an extra. Do you going forward make takeout a, a pillar in good times so when bad times comes, you can rely back on that? Or do you go back to the old way and take advantage of the old way? And that's a, that's a tough question. Um, yeah. Because one, I don't own a restaurant. So yeah. um, what we do is right in line with what we do. So this isn't an afterthought for us. We just had to broaden our scope of um, selection to, to, to help this work for what was going on. Um, I, you know, there's a catch 22 to this because the reason why a restaurant is a restaurant is they get you to come in and sit down and enjoy the experience. And that means that you're going to, you're going to indulge more because you're sitting in the experience and the experience is touch, feel, smell, taste. Yeah. So, um, I if, if, if I had a restaurant, my answer to this question would be, is that I want to go again, all in back on the experience of coming and having the experience. Yeah. But I think I would keep the takeout portion and, and hone it and refine it so that you still continue those customers. So at this point, if people aren't utilizing the email addresses that they're receiving right now and they're not creating lists to for marketing, shame on them right. Right. because you're getting it. You're getting it free. You didn't have to, you'd have to do some campaign. You'd have to buy lists. You know, you're not filling out some survey at the table that nobody's paying attention to. People are leaving. However you got the, you know, your takeout order, they're leaving their name, their phone number or an email address that you can now use and as, as a marketing tool from here on forward, because it's good, it's good information because they had to, you, you had to call them back. You had to email them to confirm the order or text them to confirm the order or whatever it is. So you have good information. When you fill out a card on a table, you know, 80% of the time people are putting bogus information on that card no, just to absolutely. think that they're getting just, a $5. Right, just to, right, just so right, I can get $5 off. You know what I right. mean? So yeah, when you, when you got to put an email in to make, <laughs> to get a confirmation when you time your pickup. You know what email it. address that is. That's right. like, like that. The, the Google one, the, you know, right, right. the, the shermporter at gmail.com yeah, <laughs> that nobody my, looks at. Right. My jump mail. But, yeah. you know, even in the coaching business, you know, we've been thinking about this, you know, 
with the whole virtual services, the, you know, the takeout equivalent for us, right, is, is virtual services. And, you know, we have to make a decision too, you know, going forward, do we, you know, because there's a lot of customers that loved it, you know, quite frankly, that, that could just finish their day with their kids at eight o'clock and get coached at nine o'clock when the kids were asleep and didn't have to drive anywhere. So, you know, we, we have to make, you have to make that decision in a lot of different companies. You know, the one thing that I think that came out of this was sales appointments, right? It's really easy now to jump on a Zoom and fit a half an hour in somewhere without having an hour drive attached to it, right? And that's something sure. that, that I definitely think a lot of organizations, there, there's some that have to be face-to-face sales conversations, but there's a lot that, you know, that can be utilized. And then your delivery of services, you know, I, I, I do wonder how many people are going to go, okay, it's over as of April and I'm going to go back to the old way, but not take advantage of the gift out of the crisis, which was, you know, that, that additional pillar or sales vertical that kind of came out of this. And, you know, we, we have to make that decision as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how much of a, of a, of a, of an ebb and tide we do for that. I, I, you know, I think, I think if you, if, if you're being a smart owner, you do some of each. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to, so you don't want to piss off the customer that actually enjoyed the, the zoom training because they're willing to spend money to do that. And then you're going to get the people back that want to sit and be in the room with the energy. Like there's going to be those people that like, that's what they need is to sit in that room and feel the energy as emotions fly and everything else. So I, I wouldn't, you know, we, we've had this, so we've had the shopping cart for seven years. I got the shopping cart when, uh, back when Kira and uh, Joe tied up with uh, that guy, uh, Walton. What, Walton? Yeah. yeah. Walsh, Walsh. Well, Michael, yeah. yeah. So he's the one that got me to, he called this mailbox money. So I've had that for almost seven years, you know what I mean? And we we were trying to um, figure out how, um, how to really like implement this. Like we, we tried, I don't know how many things to get this thing to, to get rolling. And then the pandemic made it work. I mean, now everybody knows about this thing. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, you know, it 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 is sometimes it takes circumstance. Listen, right. And, and all joking aside, right, you know, one of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump, right? And circumstance created that kind of explosion. And sometimes you are just in the right time, right place at the right time. Right, And right. you have to be, to your point, that's where systems come into play, where you have to take advantage of the, the circumstance right. and roll with it. You know, and, and coaching was a great example for us is we had been taught, to your point, for a year prior to COVID, not knowing COVID was coming, we had been talking about the ambitious goal of doing national virtual stuff and when that hit we're like oh shit but wait we've been talking about this for a year let's just do right. it right and, right exactly and, i mean right. so and it was the same thing with the shopping cart it was like we always had a goal to work on it and get a few more customers you know we had we, i mean we had a regular 15 to 20 customers that would order off it all the time but it was it was a really third a really weak third leg of income and i was like you know we have this here. How can we make right. this better? You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, and, that, yeah, that's, yeah. and you're right. It's the experience. And sometimes you have to give a little in the experience to get out to a larger crowd. And, you know, coaching was again, another great example of that is, 
you do lose a little bit of the peak emotional state when you're not face to face, but sure. you gain such a much larger audience by doing that. And, you, and when you compromise that a little bit, it could be, you know, you can, you really run into some success, success with it. So sure. But it also, once you get them past the peak and you have to get them on right. the accountability part, right. you know, not having to drive 45 minutes both ways or 30 minutes both ways to meet to, to come to a meeting you know i you know i'm already here anyway i can just plug right. into you and yeah. we can be accountable you know so yeah. no, where where you lose money on one on one side you might gain some more money on another side that you know maybe they right. come to a live event and then they become a virtual yeah. coaching client right where, right no absolutely yeah, yeah. So that, that's, uh, that brings us to the end. We want to thank Forbes today for their, their laying some knowledge <laughs> down on us. And, you know, yeah. we, we like, we like to, we, we like not reinventing the wheel here. Sometimes there's a lot of great information out there and sometimes we're just sure. going to, we're just going to republish it in, in, with our own little spin, which I think is, you know, uh, a good thing at the end of the day. So, all right, my friends, stay warm. It is freezing out. Um, I haven't I'm, been out yet. I'm done with the, I want, I want to put the trash out. I'm, uh, it's freezing. So yeah, I got to go pick up my bucket. They didn't come yesterday. So I got to go pick it up before the neighbors start arguing about <laughs> me having my, my trash can out on the street. <laughs> uh. <laughs>